welcome to the Dare to Move podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Wood. And as a mindset coach, pilot in training, and visionary for hire, I hope this podcast gives you insights that not only impact your business and your personal life, but thus the world for the better. Welcome back to the Dare to Move podcast. I am so excited to be here with you guys today. I have a former client and actually fellow Miami University grad, Miami of Ohio that is, um, Olivia Wagner on the show today. And you guys know I'm doing very few and very selective interviews this year. And I knew early on we would end up recording together just because the subject matter of what she's moving through in her work with her clients is so important and it's also personally important to me. Um, For those of you who don't know, I started my business with uh, deep roots in fitness, strength training, and specifically fat loss. And I had spent time pivoting my uh, eating disorder self uh, into bodybuilding and more ways of uh, functional disorder, which is not a thing, by the way, uh, but masked it for a long time, um, which, you know, everything is always for us. It was actually, in a lot of ways, part of my healing. I had to really break down to break through, and bodybuilding (laughs) broke me down from a, a health standpoint. And also, if you've listened to this this podcast for a very long time, you guys have heard about my own gut healing journey. You've um, listened to some amazing functional medicine dietitians that have been on before. Um, I, I mean, there's so many, uh, but they're all lovely. So if this episode interests you, I will link some similar ones in the show notes, so make sure you check those out. But um, our guest today, Liv, I, I call her Olivia, I always thought... <laughs> thought of her as Olivia. She is the CEO and founder of Lived Live Nourished Nutrition. Sorry, I was having trouble pronouncing it. Live Nourished Nutrition. Her street cred is that she is an IFNCP, an integrative and functional nutrition certified practitioner integrative by the Integrative and Functional Nutrition Academy. She's CLT certified leap therapist. She is an MB Eat Mindfulness Based Eating Awareness Training LDN licensed dietitian nutritionist, an RDN, which I think most people know by that, registered dietitian nutritionist. She has an MS, Master's of Science in Nutrition. She's CPT, Certified Personal Trainer, and has uh, her Bachelor's of Science in Nutrition from Miami University, where um, I actually know her from. And I've had the pleasure of getting to know her at this just beautiful point in her career and her business. And one of the things that we're going to talk about today, as the title gives it away, is eating disorders and hormone health. And I titled it as Hormone Health because she is an expert in women's health and has helped countless people in uh, with PCOS, infertility, uh, period problems, so on. And um, eating disorders affect, affect our entire body. And what she has been moving through is the amount of women that have been trying to conceive or, again, having women's health issues 
that have a background in eating disorders. And it was really coming up in our work together. And so you guys are going to learn today um, about this big letter reveal that she is doing the day that this episode drops. So I highly encourage all of you to go check out her open letter to uh, the world about her disordered eating background and how it's helping her in her business and and the way she helps women today. You can find it on her website. You can find it on her Instagram, which is tagged in the show notes. Just click that. Uh, And yeah, she is amazing. And I wanted to give a quick uh, little disclaimer that we are talking about eating disorders like the title states. So um, if that is going to upset you uh, or activate you in any way, just know going into it, we're going to talk a lot about the nitty gritty that can um, happen and and um, stem from uh, an eating disorder. So I hope that wherever you are listening to this, you know that there is help for you. There are people like Liv doing this work in the world and um, it's all connected. And I tell a lot more about my story during this episode as well. So I hope it's helpful for you. I hope it's supportive. And if you have any uh, of these hormonal issues or anything you think might be linked to your hormones that could also be linked to a history of an eating disorder, I truly hope you will reach out to Liv because she is absolutely incredible. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed uh, doing this episode with her. So again, you can check out that open letter which is live in uh i'll put a link in the show notes and also uh to it's on her website and on her instagram and thank you all so much for being here i hope this is inspirational to you i hope it's supportive for you wherever you're listening if it resonates send it with to a friend podcast sharing is my love language so it's my favorite thing to do and you can brighten someone's day or support them without Uh, realizing how much you're helping them. So send it along. Thank you guys for tuning in. And without further ado, I introduce Liv Wagner. All right, Olivia, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Garrett. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited. And it feels like a long time coming that (laughs) we're doing this because I just feel like we were, this is all supposed to happen. Um, Where are you calling in from today? I am calling in from Chicago. I currently am in Logan Square, if anyone's listening from the Chicago land space, but um, I've been here for, oh, wow. I think, I think technically uh, eight years now. I've been back in Chicago. Oh, I, I like we're aging ourselves. We, we went to school together for the listeners yeah. who don't know that. Miami of Ohio. And we're actually, what, almost 10 years out of college. School. Yeah. That's that's crazy. Um, <laughs> here will be 10 years officially. Oh my gosh. Well, it was amazing this year to be reconnected with you and to get to work with you and to learn kind of not only what you're passionate about, but how you're helping people. And I'm so excited to move through all of that today. And so I, I guess my first question for you is what drew you to women's health? Yeah. So I've been a dietitian now practicing for eight years and studying nutrition for far longer. And I was kind of working with everything. I started in sports nutrition and I was really inspired by the functional wellness space, which I'll tell you a little bit more in my story later on. But I, it wasn't really until I started to discover my own, like, you know, tremendous need for personal healing in my like female body 
that I was like, I need to help other women explore this themselves, you know? Mm, And what was your first step into that? Like, you know, you're working with people on sports nutrition, you're probably seeing all different types of people, different needs. And it's all like diet, diet, diet. Like what was the first moment that you were like connecting diet and functional medicine to yeah. Women's health periods, fertility, um, hormone cycles, PCOS, all of that good stuff. It's funny that you say that because it was so early into my story and like it developed in so many different ways, but really it was when I stopped birth control, which was, I think I was 19. I was pretty, I'd only been on it for a year and a half or two years. And I was having some digestive issues at the time. And it was kind of like just starting to learn about functional medicine and was doing an internship at the time with a functional medicine provider in my hometown. And I was like, I'm very curious about like the medications that I'm taking right now. I was taking a medication for anxiety. I was taking birth control. And I was like, what if these are playing a role in my digestive issues? Cause I was having a lot of digestive issues at the time. Mm. So I stopped birth control. I did not get a period back. Like, you know, it was six months post pill and I was pretty much told, you know, you can go back on birth control or we can kind of just monitor it, like check your hormones, check your lining, see if there's any problems. And in conversation with my medical practitioner at the time, and it must've been some of my own self-discovery. I realized that me taking the birth control pill wasn't really fixing that I wasn't getting my period. And so it was, there was like that awakening at that time, but it really didn't hit me until man, like six, seven years later, the implications of that. And also what I might need to do to reconnect to my body, to allow that to come back for me. Mm, I have full body chills. I'm like, Oh, I just, this, this episode is just, there's so much to get into. Um, but what's so interesting is you just brought me back to college. And if I like really think about like my relationship to my body in college, one, it was awful. And two, there was this weird saga with finding the right pill and, you know, having a breakthrough bleeding and wondering what was going on with that. And, you know, always calling the OB and then being like, you need to stay on something for three months or take this one. And then they'd be like, you know, you can just double back to back your pills. So you skip a period. And I remember like having this gut feeling like, I don't want to know if I didn't get it. Like maybe that's a bad idea. Long story short to something else you said, there wasn't this like dire, like, oh, and you should figure it out. And that could be connected. Cause I was chronically constipated, like taking laxatives to try to go to the bathroom, drinking too much. There's so many things out of whack, but again, it was just like, you just deal with it. You're not trying to get, you know, optimal in, in any sense of that. So when you, you know, think about that six to seven year period and the implications for that, like, I, I wasn't planning on going there, but like, let's just go there now. Cause your story is so compelling. Like what were some of those things that you noticed were off for you early yeah. on, like around college, when you're getting off birth control, digestion's not working. Like what were some of the first few things that were off for you? Yeah. I think the first handful of symptoms were hair loss, fatigue, insomnia, and like chronic bloating and constipation. And I mean, I see that chronically. Like I think that a lot of women struggle with those symptoms. So it's not even like, to your point, you're kind of like, well, even a lot of my friends had similar symptoms. You know, it's like, we're all kind of in that boat. I definitely felt the weight of it in my life. And 
started chasing answers for those quote unquote problems. And like you were saying with that six or seven year journey from coming off of birth control there to kind of changing my mindset about it. I, at the time was like, well, I don't have a period birth control. Isn't really going to get my period is it's not fixing the problem, but I also wasn't fully aware of what I needed to do, nor was I, I was working so many, so much on those other symptoms that I was kind of like, well, if my period comes back, it comes back. Like it kind of took a backseat because there were those initial symptoms, which then continued for years and years and then spiraled into much more extreme symptoms like hives. And like, I would have full body hives and like really thick eczema on my face. And I would have like night terrors. And, um, I had like the anxiety kind of swung into more of like a depressive space. And then the, the trouble sleeping at night at that point really turned into more insomnia. And at one point that was like the biggest challenge. Cause when you're not sleeping and you're walking around like a zombie all the time. Yeah. And- your hormones are all over the place. Yeah. And so ultimately it led to, in that time window, me being diagnosed with a lot of different things. And it's not to say that those things aren't, um, can't provide a lot of answers for people or also weren't part of my story, but, you know, I had been diagnosed with mold illness, um, you know, like IgM or like CDC positive Lyme, Bartonella, Babesia infections. I, um, had been diagnosed with like chronic Epstein-Barr virus. And so, you know, things that like, they were really looking at my immune system. I, my diet was whittled down to like hardly eating any foods. And I mean, tell me if I'm going in the wrong path here. Really what happened is I, and this started more in my college years, but what kind of started as like some like gentle orthorexic tendencies, probably in college as I was studying nutrition, really turned into like a full-fledged eating disorder that now I can like reflect back and say, okay, I see what was happening and I can like pull that out of the shadow. But at the time I was still really wanting to pin it on all the symptoms and like mm-hmm. external experiences I was having. I wasn't wanting to look at the internal that could be having implications on that external. Oh, mic drop. I mean, that's what I am so excited to like get into with you because, um, you know, I've had so many amazing functional health practitioners on this podcast, but no one has the background that you do around the eating disorder. Um, so for those new listeners, maybe people from your community or new listeners, just in general, the dare to move podcast, um, I had an eating disorder. And one of the things that, um, really came, really resonates with me about your story is this notion that like, when we have those awful symptoms, like we're, we're in negative energy around ourselves and then we're creating dis-ease and then we try to fix the bloating or fix the thing or fix the period, but we don't fix the fact that we actually need to treat ourselves better. So one of the things that came to a head for me in 2017, where I still had some of my eating disorder with me was like, I have to actually fix this because no supplement protocol, no, um, meal plan is going to work if I'm, if I'm still in my eating disorder. And so that is a really big hurdle that I don't think is talked enough about because, and this is my big question to you is like, how do you deal with clients? Like who, how do you monitor and work and, um, work around the potential for orthorexia? Because 
I see it in friends. I see it in my clients. I see it in people who are going through gut health journeys where it almost gives them a permission slip to their orthorexia. Like, oh, I can't have gluten anymore. Oh, I can't have dairy. And, and then they're just like eating plain kale and getting bloated. It's like, how do you monitor that? I mean, one, I, I screen for it now. So like, I actually have added something to like my discovery call forms just to start that conversation too, because I think it's really taboo to talk about eating disorders and disordered eating. And I mean, I, I couldn't even admit it to myself for many years. And now I can reflect back and like in sovereignty, say what it was, but you know, I, I asked that now, like, do you, like, have you, do you have, or have you ever had an eating disorder? And also do you believe any of the habits you possess currently, or like ways that you approach eating food identify with disordered eating, you know? And I think that people are open to, I'm grateful. And I think that's why they're coming to me, but they're open to talking about the relationship with food. They're open to looking at that and they recognize that it's going to be uncomfortable. But when it comes to like food restrictions or like, you know, limitations, it's just challenging that it's taking a look at it and asking more questions about it and getting curious. And, you know, even doing like, you know, the, I talk a lot about the difference between what you're eating and how you're eating and how you could go and eat, you know, like, for example, like a piece of pizza and eat it and be like, I feel guilty for eating this pizza. I shouldn't be eating this pizza. It's going to hurt my stomach and eat it really fast and be like, well, I'm probably not going to eat pizza for a month. So, you know, I might as well, or like a couple months, I might as well just eat as much of it as I can now, instead of like on the other side, going in and being like, you know, this pizza sounds really good to me. I'm going to eat it. I might have symptoms, but I'm actually okay with that. And I'm going to eat this in a gentle way, knowing that I might have symptoms, but also going to enjoy it and like let my body be present with this eating experience. And I guarantee you the individual who takes that approach mm -hmm. that they might have a little bit of reactivity, but they're doing it for the joy. They're doing it because they've chosen it. They're not doing it out of spite of themselves because they know that they're going to react. They're going to feel better eating it. And so I think it's like putting things into perspective and having a toolkit and also, um, like I said, like challenging it a little bit, like we give, we can give food so much power. Yes. Oh my gosh. That one quote right there. We can give food so much power is everything. Like I am thinking back to like, I did gut health testing, like stool testing in 2017. And I came back for C. diff. I came back for H pylori. I came back for potentially having SIBO, all these things. And I was like, no wonder I'm tired. No wonder I'm exhausted. No wonder I'm having hormonal night sweats. No wonder I'm having awful periods. Like there were so many things quote unquote wrong. And it felt like this mountain that like, I was like, what do I even start with? Like, I can almost imagine if it's like someone with like a bunch of debt where you're like, what do I even tackle first? Um, because your day-to-day -day experience is so crappy, but then you add on a layer of like, I remember being like, I don't know if I want to eat three eggs because of all the fat. What? Like if you add that layer in there, you're, you know, it's even worse. And so mine was a series of, of peeling back layers, but, um, but what I, what I also think about is, so I do have, um, celiac, a bunch of my people, yeah. my do, and there are times when I'm like telling myself, right? Like I am going to get gluten by this restaurant and I'm eating nervously. Right. And I'm like waiting to get bloated. It's like, I manifest bloating. And there's times where the restaurant is like 
accidentally, like they're like the safest restaurant ever. And they accidentally cross contaminate me, but I'm not thinking about it. And a couple of days later, I'm like, I'm like a little constipated over. And Jeff's like, you think you got gluten? And I'm like, oh no, no, I didn't. And like, when I tell myself I didn't like the symptoms aren't that bad and like, it's fine. So, um, it really is this, this mental and emotional power that we give to food. And so I'm wondering, you know, what, what were the first few steps like for you to change your relationship with yourself in order to go through, like heal a lot of these things that were coming up for you? Yeah. I have a few things to say. One, that journey is not pretty, but I'm excited to share some highlights of it. (laughs) Two, you know, hearing me say like, we give so much weight, like food, so much weight, you know, I'm sure that's surprising because I'm a dietitian and like, I speak to and, and I, you know, like food is very, um, I mean, it's nourishing. That's like what it's meant to do is like nourish our bodies and take care of our bodies. But I think that, you know, like my job as a dietitian here is to like, put that in perspective for you and look at your whole body. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not just about what you eat that defines your health. You know, it's about Mm -hmm. your lifestyle, your environment, the joy, the people in your life. And like in full transparency, I focused for so many years on just the food Mm. and it really threw me in a tailspin, you know? And so I kind of learned through that messy experience of what was missing and what was really lacking in creating health in my life. Mm. And, um, that's kind of what led to the surrendering around, like around the food piece. And what were those first few steps like for you? I'm, I'm like, I, I feel like I've like blacked out part of my journey, but I also know that I have this amazing now husband who has such a chill relationship with food and doesn't, he's so neutral and doesn't give power. It was almost like he was like an in real time expander for me. Cause like sometimes he'd eat like something like Cheez-Its. Right. And like, he wasn't triggered by that, but he also, you know, eats vegetables three times a day. And for me at the time when I was learning about the power of food, same thing. Like, I'm like, Oh my God, if I have a sip of diet Coke, like I'm going to be inflamed and like make these stories up and you just get caught in that. So what were like the first few things? Like, could you give the uh, listeners like some examples of like coming out of orthorexia, coming out of that? It's almost like this, like strictness with yourself for your healing. Like what were some things you can remember doing that were like not normal for you? Yeah. So I describe it as kind of like a tipping point where I surrendered ultimately to like everything I had been doing. Cause I realized I was so unhappy in my life. I felt awful. And I asked myself, like, what would you do if you never felt any different? Like, how were you going to live your life? Cause I had created so much separation from family and friends. I was really like living in a pretty like bleak, isolated space. And so I kind of looked at my life and I was like, well, you feel pretty hungry all the time. You feel pretty like brain foggy. Like what if you just let yourself like eat as much food as you want to, (laughs) like, just like listen to your body and like feed that hunger. And to be honest, initially it was a little bit aggressive because my body was not used to that. So there was kind of this force of letting myself do that. And then also wanting to like go back to what I knew, which felt safe. But I kind of came to like an agreement with myself of you're not happy where you are you can only move forward from here. So like keep just trying different things and like keep venturing into the future. So Mm -hmm. kind of the first step was adding more food into my routine. I stopped intermittent fasting, which I had kind of been playing around with for a while and started eating within an hour of waking up in the morning, like making sure that I was feeling satisfied after I finished eating a meal. 
because I think there was many times where like the outer wisdom of like what I was educated through my nutrition studies they would tell me like, oh, this is what my plate should look like. And if I'm hungry after, like you wait till your next meal or like your next snack time. And I kind of realized that I was living in like a little bit of a deficit always and never feeling, I was definitely eating a lot of food, but I never felt satisfied. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn what it was like to reach that satisfaction. And I think in an entire um, separate layer to that is like, and it's something that more I've stumbled into on the back end of this journey is the recognition of emotional and physical satisfaction, one related to food, but also the emotional satisfaction coming from your life. And I think that we see a lot of that also with emotional eating, where when people are unhappy with certain circumstances in their life or don't feel like they have a lot to look forward to or don't feel like they're having a lot of meaningful connection, and it can look, it can be a variety of different things, but ultimately it creates an opportunity to seek, you know, yeah. uh, gratification and like, you know, endorphins and feelings through food. Right. And so wow. it was kind of like a slippery slope of like, I wasn't really fully feeding myself a lot. There was a lot of emotion connected to eating, whether it would be guilt or it's like, I couldn't do anything right with food, which you and I have talked about a lot. One of like my childhood kind of like mm-hmm. limiting beliefs is like, I kind of believed I was wrong with like everything that I was doing and food just ended up being another outlet for it. So a little off track, but what I was saying is mm. eating more food was very important and eating on like a regular blood sugar stabilizing cadence mm. with my intuition attached to it. Because I think I was too focused in the outer wisdom of like what I thought blood sugar stability looked like. Mm. And I was actually not honoring what my body also needed as a part of that. Yeah. There's a slippery slope when you have it. And I, I love that you brought up the limiting beliefs because there's a slippery slope when we have any sort of background with disordered eating where data and information, it actually like fuels the fire of it. Right. So, Oh, I learned that this food's good or bad. So now I'm going to eat it or not eat it. Or I know what blood sugar should look like or feel like. So I have to like measure up with that. And we lose sight of our own inner compass. And I can completely relate to what it's like to not eat to satisfaction and to emotionally eat. Like when I moved to Boston and I had no friends and no social life. And it's funny because when I am the most aligned with work and I have a lot going on and I'm like, like you kind of described like socially well, like, uh, sleeping well, all the things like I eating is no problem, but it is something we go to for fulfillment, for joy, for things when we do have those voids. Um, control and control. Yeah. It's a huge sense of control. And I think, you know, this is something that might sound taboo to say, but one of the things I I heard on TikTok the other day, every time I say it's on TikTok, Jeff's like, it's not real. (laughs) Like, like, you don't know that. I'm just listening to all all my child raising advice. So (laughs) I know. (laughs) Um, but I heard some, somebody say like, like, I'm going to make a blunt, blunt statement. So like, I'm like listening and they're like, gut health work is the new eating disorder. And I had to sit with that for a minute because I rolled right in from my eating disorder to then feeling like I was helping myself feel better, which by the way, similar to you, I had a lot of bloating and negative and rashes and, uh, yeast infections and things that were not well from having an eating disorder. But then I put my hyper focus on what was wrong with my body from a, I'm too fat standpoint to 
I'm too inflamed. I'm too bloated. I'm not pooping enough. And it becomes this like hyper fixation around that. And it was actually stopping all supplements and stopping, even worrying about food, not giving food to so much power, similar to you, like that really helped me. But there's also not to say that there's not a really critical time and place for what you do for women, which we'll get to around their hormones and around fertility. And so, um, to tie a bow on, on my, my journey, it just, I think pregnancy was the, the final like nail in the coffin for me with my eating disorder, because the amount of hunger that you get for certain things that you need to satiate is so real and literal. Like I would literally have to eat like five tortillas with cheese until I felt satisfied. I'm like, Oh God, I feel better. That's amazing. And it was like, it actually felt so good to feel true satisfaction because you're getting these like cues that are so not normal to your normal life that then you're like, Oh, I know I need to do this. So anyway, that was interesting, but I want to kind of um, kind of go into what you're about to unveil, which is this letter. Um, I have a peek behind the curtain after working with you. Um, and I want to know, you know, you work with people with PCOS, you work with people that have period issues that are getting off birth control. You work with people who have, you know, potentially a background of, um, an eating disorder and also women trying to conceive. So, uh, tell us about this letter and your journey in writing it, where they're going to be able to find it. Um, if it's live, obviously we'll have it in the show notes. Um, but yeah, tell us about that because it sort of encapsulates a lot of what we're talking about. Totally. And I think it started as a way to honestly take some of my own experience out of the shadow and like, look at it a little bit more closely. I've come such a long way in my own journey and I have found so many pearls that I mean, man, I wish I would have been able to one been provided and two have been open to receiving, which is something I think you and I talked a little bit about. I think energetically I had, wasn't available for some of those things earlier in my twenties. And this letter is to showcase the emotional aspect of healing and some of the missing pieces that often get overlooked in a healing journey and also tie in some of those threads of you know, relationship with yourself and relationship with your body in a healing process. I feel so strongly about the need to partner with your body in healing. And I think so many of our recommendations today are not in, I don't believe the intention is to create separation, but it does. It creates like, oh, this is wrong with my body. I need to fight this. I need to fix this. I need to like, when this is just corrected, I'll be better. And it's like, it starts with you. Mm. you and loving yourself and being present and knowing that your body wants to work with you and ultimately wants to support you and recognizing those symptoms as information and getting curious about it. And I mean, obviously it is so helpful to have a partner in this journey to guide and support you through this because it was really hard to figure out independently. <laughs> it, took a, yeah. it took a decade. So, um, so this letter is meant to shed a little bit of light on it and deliver some of the, the key pearls and messages that I uncovered through this journey that I really think are going to help other women. Yeah. I think that there's something about you coming out and sharing that, that, I mean, I've said this before in our work together, but like it, it sharpens your frequency. I mean, you to the point of like us being energetic matches for our clients always, like you were attracting people who had this stuff, hence why you created a way to screen for eating disorder, because, you know, it's going to be pretty hard to like 
reorient your hormones if you're in an eating disorder and you hadn't come forth to really unveil this stuff about yourself. So like as an entrepreneur, like what can you say to other people about like how easy or hard or like, what has it been like to, to go like write this stuff down? Yeah. It's taken some time because it's almost like you put it down and you don't like, don't want to look at it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think that to your point, attracting people who need this kind of support Mm -hmm. and you know, I think what I was seeing is even women who didn't identify with disordered eating, there was a lot of, you know, paralleled, um, experiences to mine in their relationship with themselves or their relationship with their body, or they're like seeking mm-hmm. for fixing problems. And like, I know I was magnetic to that just, I think because of my own experience, yeah. but, um, your question was more so to like other entrepreneurs. I mean, something you've said to me, Garrett, is like your vulnerability and like your your authenticity is like ultimately like your gift, you know? And so I think that sharing your story and like putting out what you've learned in your own journey and like how that influences how you help people is just going to continue to be like an attraction for those who need that kind of support. Yeah. And I think people will, they'll see themselves like, I had amazing guidance and from really smart people for my gut health journey. And I wasn't talking to them about this stuff. And I feel like you're just opening the door for people to do. It's like, it's so much more than just getting better blood work, work, right. And the people that you've attracted be, you know, and you still attract that want to have a baby, like what better gift than help them heal themselves with their relationship to themselves so that yes, they will have a better healing journey with their hormones, but then for their parenting journey, they're not worried about what they're eating. Like, and I just feel like it's such a holistic, um, holistic, uh, thing that you're creating. And I'm wondering like, what do you think? I mean, we've sort of encircled it, but like, what are the most common things that women struggle with when it comes to their hormones? Yeah. So as I kind of mentioned earlier with like the, I call it adequate nutrition, but basically like eating enough or eating appropriately for what your body needs. I think that there's, we are inundated with so much information through TikTok or whatever form of social media that you're on or from various providers who maybe don't have a lot of time to spend with these individuals to know much about their relationship with food or their history or what their routines actually look like, which is why I work with women in very intimate containers. So I can fully understand all of this, you know, but, um, the way that you eat and the way that you're approaching eating throughout your day, like that blood sugar stability and the eating enough for your body, I think is a huge one and goes very much so overlooked, especially in the fertility realm. I mean, I client in the last year who had done multiple rounds of fertility treatments and had conceived one beautiful child with those fertility treatments and was trying for number two. And really it came down to looking at the quantity of food she was eating predominantly Mm -hmm. was like the biggest thing. And so it's like, I want this to be heard in like greater wavelengths because you know, that's such an emotional, obviously fertility treatments are a beautiful tool and it's so great, so grateful that we have that, but to be able to work with your body and know some things that 
very gently can have huge impact, I think is so mm-hmm. profound. And so adequate nutrition and blood sugar stability being two things that I really prioritize. And then also slowing down a lot of times for, for women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there can be a lot of pressures, especially like in PCOS, like the PCOS community to like be exercising in a certain way or eliminating certain foods. And, you know, honestly, having a really healthy relationship with movement is very important, but also recognizing like the balance between moving your body and also when you need restorative rest. And for some individuals, if like in their, the start of their healing window, exercise might be like a back burner thing. It might be more like walking and more gentle movement or more stretching and like connecting with your body in movement in a different way. That's not actually like organized exercise. Um, I think often can be really, really like profound for people and sleeping more. I mean, I say this in my letter too, but once I started sleeping and I don't, I mean, for everyone, this is different, but I never thought I needed more than eight hours of sleep a night. You know, like I was sleeping like seven, eight hours. I had a very ambitious schedule. Like I wanted to get all my stuff done. And I like, it's like, Oh, I don't have time to sleep more. Once I finally was able to sleep. Yeah. And, um, once I started letting myself sleep nine hours, like as long as I wanted, and it was like more than nine hours a night, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like 30%. Oh, good. Yeah. And so I think that a lot of my coaching too, is identifying like, what does your body actually need right now with some of these more like mm-hmm. I call them foundational life, lifestyle aspects. And so like your, your stress resilience, your stress response, are you living in a state of fight or flight? where you're very hypervigilant to things mm-hmm. and what do we need to insert to improve your body's response to those stressors yeah. so that your body doesn't have to go along for the ride of whatever stressful events coming your way, looking at sleep, mm-hmm. looking at sunlight exposure, looking at, um, again, very closely at your personal relationship with yourself. Mm. And once we've established those foundations, which I just touched on a couple, it's like, then we can start to layer in that personalized lab work. Then we can start to layer more supplementation and therapeutic tools, because it's like, if we're working on building your house of health and you have a crumbling foundation, your wall, like adding it intermittent fasting as a wall, like that wall is going to fall super fast. Like you do not have, you don't have the prerequisites to do that because your body is not well solidified right now in like from in a health space. Oh my God. You're just, it's so interesting that we're having this conversation now because like I've already shared, like I have a similar background with the eating disorder, but it was actually COVID for me that put me in a place of being able to sleep more. I was all of a sudden out of a city and into like a cabin in the woods with nothing to do early in the morning. I was much more Um, my nervous system was much more relaxed during the day. So for anyone who lives in the city, like sound pollution is a thing smog when you're walking down the side of the road and big old trucks are walking by the screeching of the brakes on like the T or the L in Chicago, um, traffic being like a fight or flight thing, driving through traffic. If you're not in an Uber or whatever, and you're have to be on guard, like when all of that got stripped away and I was sleeping more, I actually had capacity to like exercise pretty intensely, like three to four times a week, but all of that and, and eat enough because I was like, all of a sudden I didn't like care really. We weren't seeing anyone. I'm like, I don't care if I gain weight, like I need to eat. And all of that, the, the six months of, of COVID prior to my, um, I beat me getting pregnant. I'm like, Whoa, that, that helped me get there. And then the other thing that's really interesting about what you said about the foundations 
is um, one of the things that really stood out to me about not having the foundations is after you have a baby, you are thrown into not sleeping at all. Your hormones are trying to regulate and you are fighting against them. You're like your body, you're not used to holding a baby. So your back is sore. Your muscles are sore. You're not resting enough. You have to eat all the time. And one of the things, when I finally kind of came out of that at about like a year, I was like, oh, it's so nice not to have to eat all the time and to be able to intermittent fast because I had the foundation now of sleep and rest and a lower uh, stress life because I understand what it is to be a mom. And so I'm wondering, it's a big personal share, but do you ever get pushback from people that are like, I just want the lab work because to me, hearing you say it, I'm like, why would you pay? Cause labs are not cheap to get a lab work done when you're not sleeping. Yeah. You're not eat, like, do you get people that kind of push back on that? Oh, all the time. Yeah. But I mean, that's, that's your uh, mission. It's my flavor. It's the way that I work with people. And, you know, like, again, every, your health is in your sovereignty. You are entitled to make whatever decisions that you want to make about your health. I'm here to educate and share and guide and you get to like opt into ultimately what you want to, you know? I love those kind of teachers though, that I, cause I'm always one of those eager overzealous people. It's like, I want to ski the fastest run. And I love when like, or do that trick and trilling. And I always loved when a coach would look at me and be like, no, you need to master these basics. Because well, we're always grateful in hindsight. Where can get really uncomfortable for people, which I fully empathize with and have experienced myself, is that window where your body has, you're experiencing a lot of symptoms, you know, maybe they're digestive related, thyroid related, sleep related, but you also want to see body composition changes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would love to gift all of these women. Mm-hmm. You know, or anyone who feels this way, those body composition changes. And the truth is, it's like we have to start with the foundations. We have to start with what's in front of mm-hmm. us that needs support, that needs healing, because ultimately those body composition changes are going to be like a last domino. And mm-hmm. like in my story, I post my surrender of deciding, like, I can't go back to what I was doing. I need to figure out how to move forward into the future. I gained about 40 pounds in like a three and a half year window. And I, once I really started to get like those foundations and such underneath, because really like at the initial part of that weight gain, there was still like, kind of like that angry surrender where it's like, well, I can't go back. I just need to like, whatever, kind of like throw it out the window a little bit. And then it was like, okay, like where can I, you know, I was definitely spending more time with people. I was putting myself out there. I was I finally got to a place where I was like, okay, what my period came back after 10 years, we've been bouncing around a lot, but my period came back after 10 years. And it was really at that point where I was like, whoa, my body can do cool things. And more of like the aggressive approach shifted into a more gentle or like appreciative space where I was like, what else can you do with your body? Like how else can you work with your body and like support it? And so, although like it was more, I keep saying like an aggressive surrender before it just was a little forced. It was kind of like, I was just so uncomfy. Yeah, no option. Yeah, probably I was so uncomfy. And I, I got my period back and I continued to gain weight at that point still. But I, once I finally got foundations underneath me and it was about still like six months or so of having those solidified underneath me that finally I started to see some body composition changes happening again. And it took about two years to see 20 
pounds then shift back off my body to a place where like, I felt really like more like at a baseline. Um, and you know, it's like for everyone that's going to look a little bit different, but for me, I think also what's just shifted is, you know, in that entire process, the mindset where it's like, Mm-hmm. I don't, I would have never, you know, 10 years ago thought I would be comfortable like where I am now. And now it's like, you know, if, if the scale moves, like I'm, I don't react to scale fluctuations. I like feel like neutral to it. I feel just like more at peace with my body. And it's like the biggest gift of that experience. Like going through that is like the peace that I feel with. And it's crazy to reflect back and think of how busy and chaotic my mind was for so many years because there was so much real estate taken up by these thoughts and like preoccupations with both food and my body. Oh, I think you're taking the words out of probably so many people's mouths because I can attest to a very similar real estate problem (laughs) with my mind. And, um, you know, from the energetic perspective and spiritual perspective that I now like look through at the world that I didn't before, it's like what we fear the most we end up having to face, right? So it's like the person who's, who thinks that their money makes them good or happy or successful or whatever, like has to lose it all, right? And has to experience that to then realize that they are who they are without it to then, you know, ultimately make the money with a different orientation to money. It's like you had to gain the weight to face the biggest fear that you were probably facing that whole time in your disorder to then be like, oh, that's what this is. How can I love myself through this? And that was like, the gold that you got through. And I, I just love that you're putting everything into a letter because people need expanders. People need to know that someone else has walked through the fire. That's, you know, gained the extra weight just in the process and that it comes off on the other side. Um, there's something so energetic about weight too. Like you had to like almost look with a flashlight in the dark at everything that you had been holding on to and worried about and in chaos with to release it all. And then of course the weight comes off. We haven't even talked much about this, but like a big part of my story too, was that energetic journey. And like the, I had all, I had been in therapy since I was like eight on and off, like definitely have done a lot of talk therapy, but it really wasn't until I started doing more like meditation and energy work with coaches mm. that I started to feel release. And I, I truly believe that was a big part of mm-hmm. the transformation too, for me was being able to move through a lot of energy and emotion that I never processed mm-hmm. and being able to like truly fall in love with myself, which I, I never had before that, you know? Wow. And it's like, that's again, why this is all so important to share because I feel like right now, It's so amazing that we're waking up to functional medicine and the power that we have to take with our sovereignty, like our, our power back with our bodies and to get off pharmaceuticals and to do natural things and to have data, which is amazing through labs, but not everyone gets the spiritual side. And like, I I once had a client say to me something that I had thought when I was like 16, but never really remembered thinking she said, I should just do yoga because yoga yogis are skinny. And I was like, so, well, we got a lot of unpacking to do with that comment. But then I was like, I think I said something like that when I was 16. But if you really think about like a true connected, like devout yogi who's meditating 
treating their body as like a temple and moving through those positions, which are all energetic. It's like, it makes sense that they're not carrying a lot of weight. It literally makes sense energetically because they're moving their body through all the planes. They're nourishing their bodies and they, they, if they've been in practice for a while, have worked on their connection to self. So it's like, it all can make sense energetically. And it doesn't mean that there's not an extra and a very important time and place for what you do with being able to find really important data in labs. But if, if your practitioner is not like you, Olivia, that's taking through like your connection to yourself, your journey, your surrender, your relationship with food, like the lab literally means nothing. Yeah. Because what are you going to do to fix that data? Or it's going to be like a temporary shift. Mm. I feel like the, the improvements hold as well, if you get any improvement. And I mean, I personally experienced that for a very, very long time. Mm. Like, I, I cannot even tell you, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about investment recently and just, you know, um, like kind of feeling proud for like the level of investment I've had in my personal development in the last three years, but like, you know, and also just the investment in my health journey that I've had, you know, over the last 15 years. And it, um, I know it was all like, I'm kind of getting a a different subject matter, but like that was all with reason, but I look back and see, to see some of the things that I was investing in at the time. And it was to enlighten me to like what I really needed to be investing in, Mm -hmm. but you know, the lab testing, the supplements, like the, um, I was doing a lot of really like alternative therapies, like peptide injections and IV treatments and different like compounded pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have those foundations. So again, these can be fantastic yeah. tools, but in my opinion, if you have a awful relationship with yourself and you don't have any of those like baseline nutritional lifestyle attributes, holding that house of health you're trying to build, it's not going to be, they're not going to do the extent to what they could mm-hmm. if they might look differently. Yeah. If you look at like the scientific, um, process, right. It's like, you can't have that many variables. Yeah. So it's like, if you're like, I always use Jeff as my epitome of health. Cause he's so <laughs> care of himself, but like, he is such, he's always at his healthy baseline and he, he knows when he's not but like, he could walk in and do a peptide treatment or something and be like, Oh, I feel the difference or not. Cause he's yeah. always sleeps. He always like, it's like the, that foundation he has allows for those things to come in in a, in a good time and place. Um, but one thing that came up for me earlier and I forgot to say was, you know, a lot of people come to you to try and conceive. And what I think is so beautiful about what you're bringing forth is like, that relationship with yourself and your relationship with food doesn't just change when you're pregnant. And one of the saddest things that I like have seen on the internet, the more times I've kind of followed pregnant people, pregnancy journeys since I was pregnant. Um, and I want to be pregnant again, uh, is the sadness and the triggering that happens for women when their body changes and grows when they, when they have cravings for food, but they feel bad. Like, And I was so grateful to heal so much going into my pregnancy that like, I was like, I guess I need to eat five cheese tortillas because that's what my body wants and like experience that. But, um, what do you like advise for women that are going through that? And like, or how do you prepare women who are trying to conceive? Like, I mean, I know you, you walk people through that journey, but is there anything that's standing out to you that people have had to move through in those beginning months? Yeah, honestly, I came in process so much more when I was doing a little bit of, um, consulting with a fertility 
insurance benefit group. And um, it is really prevalent. There's a lot of fear. Like I, you know, I would get uh, feedback, like I'm only four weeks pregnant and I've gained 10 pounds, you know, and it's like the education. I'm like, well, like there is no way that that is fat. You know, this is water retention. Also, your body is going to continue to be changing. You are growing a baby. You are like Mm -hmm. my approach. The intention of my approach is to be compassionate and to educate them around the beauty of what their body is doing. And again, that partnership and how they can work with their body and work with that baby to like support both of their healths, like in that, that picture of change and really prioritizing also the inclusion of foods and what those foods are doing for your body and your baby's body. And honestly, the healthier, the better you support your body preconception and during pregnancy, the better you will feel postpartum. And so it's like, I think that that for a lot of people is a golden carrot too, because um, I've worked with women, you know, like in the year to year and a half mark um, outside postpartum who really like they saw their health really tilt because of some of the activities that they participated in, like in trying to lose the baby weight or whatever it was. And, you know, it's like, I, I just hope that that dialogue more in this, if it's in the social media space, like can change because like our bodies are so amazing to do what they just did. And it's like, mm-hmm. it really has a lot of recovery to do, you know? And so that time is really pivotal. I know you've experienced it yourself, but to just nourish yourself, feed yourself, sleep when you need to listen to your body, like, so that you can, you know, if you choose to breastfeed can produce, you know, adequate breast milk and like, you can feel well. And, um, it's, I really approach it from just a compassionate understanding of what your body's experiencing. Yeah. As you were kind of sharing all that, it made me think about your, the second part of your surrender, like the beginning when you're like, I was kind of like an aggressive, like I, you know, I I have to do this. My pregnancy was like, or my postpartum was like, I, I, so for those who don't know, I gained 55 pounds. I'm five foot two, 55 pounds in my pregnancy. And I went from one of those people that had no boobs to like double G's, which was so uncomfortable. Um, but similarly in the vein of surrender, like I just remember being looking at Jeff and being like, I'm really hungry. Cause we had this joke that I would eat more than him during my pregnancy always. Yeah. And, he, and then after Declan came, like I was still eating more than him through, and, you know, we're just like, this is crazy. Like you're eating so much and you, you really like my body needed that to produce as much milk as I did. And there's a point yeah. where like, my old, like eating disorder voice came in was like, well, you shouldn't eat that much. Cause you're never going to lose the baby weight. And for like, for like a hot second. And I was like, fuck it. Like, I don't care because I am really hungry and really tired and I want to feel good and, and, and love myself. And, and I, I had a knowing because of the healing I had done that, like, I was going to get back to my body. I was just so grateful. I wasn't in a rush. And I think having that perspective of like, I'm not going to even look at anything or consider anything till I'm a year out because of how much your body changes every month feels better and better. And I wish, I, I wish I had that perspective on Declan's sleep. If someone had told me like, don't, don't even expect him to sleep till then that would have helped. But I wondered too, if like, people with hormone health, like what's a typical timeline for people? I know this, we've talked about this, you know, offline, but people have interesting expectations around when they should lose weight, baby or no baby, you know, pregnancy or not. And when their hormones should be like, quote unquote, fixed or their gut health should be fixed. And like, talk to me about the timelines. Yeah. It's so diverse. I mean, 
I think I've shared with you before, I've worked with women in six month containers who have seen pretty significant body composition changes and have sustained it and felt really well. And it's really all about where your baseline is starting. Mm -hmm. And so it's like for some women that I've worked with in the last year, like the true expectation would be like, you probably will need a year of healing before you even start to be available for some of those body composition changes to take place. And like, I'm a strong believer in like when your body is in that space, the changes naturally will start to happen without having to like intervene in many other ways. And that's just more my take on it and my flavor. And there's a lot I believe of that. people who are going to feel that way. But um, I think for a lot of women, you're looking at like six months to a year if you have a lot of healing to do. Mm-hmm. And I, so when any, in my past life of coaching fat loss, I would always tell people like, in a perfect world, like if you have 20 pounds to lose, like you're not going to lose a pound a week. And there's 20, 25 weeks is like 26 weeks is like half of a year. And you're not going to not live your life, right? You're going to have a life where you're having fun. You're, you're not like a robot. So from a timeline perspective, like, yeah, maybe it will take you a year to lose 20 pounds, but, um, I'm like, sorry, I heard like a clicking. I think my computer, sorry, sorry, listeners for a clicking noise. Um, but the interesting thing about gut health and, um, hormone health is that there, there's no perfect way to measure it. Cause everything's always in flux yeah. and it comes back to that relationship with self. So like, when I hear that, like when you, you've like, we've talked about this before, when clients come in and same thing with career, with making money, it's like when they want it, like now it's like, we hear the desperation and I get that. And I think the biggest thing you can do to like be okay with whatever timeline you're facing, which we never really know is that relationship with yourself. Yeah. It's that it's ugly like- part of you. That's like, I need to lose weight tomorrow because I don't, I'll only like myself if that's kind of the problem. Yeah, it's like, how can you be present and appreciate where you're at and the work that you're putting in to support your body? So you will ultimately be available. And like, this is not comfortable. It is not easy. I know it because I've been there, you know, it's just that I'd say the two T's time and trust. And it's like Mm -hmm. that trust piece is really hard sometimes, especially when you feel like there's initial, sometimes we see like an initial weight change too, where there's actually like a little bit more weight that comes on before we, you know, like in that part of that healing, I mean, for me, it was 40 pounds. I obviously, a lot of people aren't coming from the place that I was coming from, which was, I was so in the toilet depleted and had the eating disorder aspect to it too. Not everyone will have that extreme and of experience, but what I was saying, I, I maybe wasn't clear on the timeline it might be six months to a year of healing before you even start to see changes on the scale, Yeah, you know, and that's not for everyone, but I do think that, you know, I, I have clients now sign a surrender contract when we're working together, um, as a way, cause you know, like I, we could commit to working together for four to six months and I could totally help you lose off of your body, you know, 10, 15, whatever pounds of weight. Mm-hmm. I would never do that because it wouldn't be sustainable. It wouldn't be healthy and it wouldn't be addressing why that weight is there in the first place, you know? And so it's not the way that I operate. 
Yeah. And it's like you said before, with the other things too, is like getting the data with the gut health for the, for your gut or your hormones without building the foundation. It, it's not going to be sustainable. If you haven't done that underlying root work of like, why do I not like myself? Why am I carrying this extra weight? It's like the body wants to be healthy. The body wants to feel good and be in homeostasis. And I just like had a weird flashback to like people I knew and my, including myself in my twenties would like worry about like, I don't want to eat salt. Oh, it's like, yeah. you literally need salt. Like what? And it's stuff like that. It's like, of course, if you went from not eating salt to just adding salt, you're going to hold on to water. You're going to see the quote unquote scale go up in weight. Um, yeah. that's not your body composition. And I think that that, that space of recalibration, like you're talking about, you know, in my old days of just working on fat loss only, which is, I don't do that anymore for a reason, because there's all these other personal things that cause it from a spiritual level. But, um, I love that you said it could take you a year to even see any changes because that's the truth. Like that, that phase of finding yourself, finding your relationship with yourself, sleeping more, all these things we've covered is such a delicate, vulnerable time that is like you said, so uncomfortable. And I love that you're writing this open letter about your really tumultuous story so that people have an expander to be like, okay, she did it. She walked in the fire. She gained the weight, which was the ultimate fear. She pushed through all this stuff to be in her most like thriving version of your life. Yeah. And you know how you, we were just talking about pregnancy and like some of the discomfort and like body composition changes with pregnancy. A big piece of that too, is like, you know, I was saying appreciation for your body and what it's doing, but like, really for me, that's like connecting to your femininity, you know, like we're built to do this. And that was really what I was able to see in reflection in my story too, is that for so many years, I was living in such like a masculine aspect where mm -hmm. like everything was so rigid and structured. And I was so aggressive with myself. And it was like that tipping point of finally getting my cycle back. And I saw and like what I, everything that I brought in with those foundations and also the kindness and like the, the, um, exploration of self-love and like digging through those spaces. Like that was really me bringing that more of femininity back into my life. Mm, that's such a good point because so much of everything we're talking, like even the question, what's the timeline? Like time is masculine. <laughs> Like, like we're like, put it, we want to put something in a box. We want to know the steps. We want to know this linear thing. And like the feminine energy is not like that. And that was part, that's such a beautiful thing to bring up about your journey is that surrender is feminine too. It's saying, yeah. I don't care how, what this timeline is going to look like. It's fluid. It's going to go up and down and left and right. And, um, and we, as women with uteruses have different, um, balances of feminine energy within ourselves. And we, in our society, in our collective, we don't operate from feminine flow and feminine intuition. We operate from the masculine. And, um, a perfect example of that just in manifestation too, is like, uh, the way that that has manifested is people saying, Oh, you don't need a period. Like I had an IUD and did not have a period for three years. Those were yeah. the most masculine three years of my life. And it's no coincidence, right? It's like so yeah. symbolic. Like I didn't even bleed. I didn't have cramps. And then the last two years of my IUD, when my body was like, 
I think kind of rejecting it. And I was trying to tap into my femininity. Like I started getting a period again, which I was like, well, this is weird. Should the, it didn't do it this before with yeah. the nine. Why is this happening? And awful cramps. And my body was just kind of like, wake up, wake up. And then yeah. I got off of it. But well, oh we're from such a young age that like our menstrual cycle is like a pain and a nuisance. And it's like, it's like, like you were describing like the timeline, like, oh, it's falling at a bad time or it's not like we're not wanting to control it kind of from that like masculine space. And there is always need for balance between masculine and femininity. Like, I just want to like put that straight there, especially in like a healing um, exploration because we do use like lab testing and we yes. set timelines. We want to modify supplements, of, you know, based on your progress, et cetera. But I remembered, um, you know, when I was more like in the thick of like, like tons of symptoms and really, really digging and really isolated, the family members say to me, like, um, and I was probably at my lowest weight at the time, like kind of trying to like shake me out of it. Like, don't you want to look like a woman? And I like, didn't understand that comment at all. And I was like, it was actually my dad. And I was like, kind of like offended and confused by it. And like later into my journey, as I was able to start appreciating like my curves and like softness of my cheeks were like, I used to be like really into, like, I wanted to have like an angular jaw or like have like, you know, find these like really defined features. It was like, it started to make sense to me actually in like a different way than he said it. But I was able to find so much beauty and femininity that I once like in feminine features in my body that I had once like not wanted to observe or like wanted to fight off of my body pretty much. And it was kind of like, wow, like my body again does is doing really cool things and is working with me. And like, how can I get it some love here? You know? Wow. And it's so interesting. Like we can sort of bring it back to the patriarchy of like men being in control and men, like almost like we had to kind of become more masculine to fit in in society. Right. Like I'm oh my internet must be weird. Um, but we have to have this like external strength to fit in. And there's something so symbolic about you getting your power back in your whole journey where it felt safe to be softer. It felt safe to have curves because there was something even for me, like that didn't feel safe about being super womanly. I didn't want to be the soft, um, uh, I don't know. Like, I just didn't want to be feminine. I didn't want that. And I had no, I like lost my boobs when I was bodybuilding. And I think my mom said something very similar to me. Like you don't yeah. look like a woman right now. And it's again, it's nothing against our parents and judgmental. And we're not going down that road. It's just more like we were in such a masculine. It sounds like both experiences masculine energy because it didn't feel safe to be in our feminine. But I think what you, um, exhibit Olivia is this reclaiming of your feminine power and essence. Like you said earlier, but you're like, when you got your period, you're like, Whoa, this is cool. And like, I had a very similar moment like that too, after my IUD, when I'm like, Oh, my body can do this thing. Like amazing. Yeah. And it's, um, I mean, the way that it's attracted things into my life too, that I, you know, like, as you were saying before too, like you almost didn't want to hold those feminine attributes Mm -hmm. or like participate in that. I also wasn't like open to love or like inviting in a partner or like really actually even socializing with friends or family. And like that all really started to shift too in like a very kind of like maternal feminine way. And like, it's 
I know that all these shifts needed to take place for me to even be able to receive that love. Yes. And love is such a high vibration too, that like we need some element of love in our healing. It's a high vibrational frequency. So you think about you finding, and it's same for me, but like finding your version of self-love and self-compassion and self-nourishing allows you to then cultivate more of that in your life. But if you're not a stand for it in yourself, it can't show up, which is people don't, uh, we don't think about it because we're not taught to think about things from this angle in curiosity. Yes. There you go. Talk to us a little bit about curiosity in your work. So I, I always say that like surrender and curiosity are like important words to me. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of different things in health and women's health that we get really reactive around. So, and it's not to say that, um, conventional like medications or certain treatments aren't important. They absolutely are important, but like, whether it's like we get a yeast infection and we treat it, or we have acne and we want, you know, like we want to go back on birth control or want to start spironolactone to like clear it, or we have bloat. And so we start pulling foods out of our routine. It's like, I think reactivity comes from not having a lot of education, honestly. And so like, that's where I really want to come in and why like I write blog posts and do Instagram is so like I can share with, with more people. And then people who want to opt in to working one-on-one with me are getting the full package and the complete support and care. Mm-hmm. But when we look at our lives experiences with curiosity, and this is not a perfection, this is a growing practice. It's just something to like, think about in your life you're able to identify deeper root causes, whether that those are emotional, whether those are physical, but when we ask ourselves why things are happening, it doesn't mean you can't take the medication for your UTI or, yeah. but it's like, you know, why might these be continuing to happen? Like, what might I want to do to support my body from continuing to have these? Or, you know, it's just adding in a gentler lens and kind of like, you know, we were just talking about feminine masculine. I think the curiosity versus reactivity is like a little bit of like feminine mm. masculine dichotomy too. Absolutely. But I just think it's an important thing to think about with your body, with your health, with your actions. It's just a gentle way to like tune in. Yeah. And we're not like, we just want to fix. We want to the fast, you know, like our, we're, it's just like this weird zeitgeist that we've had and our society for so long of like, you got to fix this, this go to the doctor, get that fixed. Like there's no internal pause and, um, figure out for yourself, um, which is, uh, something that I love that you're doing with people. And, um, I'm wondering like, what is your highest and best intention for this letter and for like the next, I don't know, year of your business? Yeah. Well, I hope that it resonates with women out there and it can shed light on maybe some shadowy spaces of their life that they're not tuning into that can unlock a path ultimately to healing and feeling well and feeling like whole in their body. Because Mm -hmm. I think there was so much separation I personally experienced and I know I'm not alone. Yeah. I feel like whoever's listening to this podcast like they're supposed to go down this journey, right. Or there's something they're not seeing that they need to see. Like you're the nudge for that. And you know, whether they stop listening to this podcast and go read your letter or 
they read the letter and then they followed you and they found this podcast. Like there's a reason this is showing up for people right now. Like there's a reason that you're being called to share this because it's a very vulnerable move. And it may also inspire other people to be more vulnerable in their story and um, what they're, what they've been through and the wisdom that they've uh, gleaned from that. Um, so where are you going to be posting your letter? Where will people be able to find this? I will be sharing it in my newsletter and on Instagram, but it will be on my website. So that's where the letter will be kind of like a long form blog post. And maybe we'll be featured in some other places. We'll kind of have to see. I have a few feelers out there. But um, I think the other thing that I want to say is that everything happens in the right time. So even, you know, the, the other element or hope of intention with the letter too is like, for someone to read it and to like it to plant a seed and they might not be ready to make any changes in their life at this moment, but it might when in perfect timing for them, like mm-hmm. open and start to like, you know, root out into something else. And so, I mean, again, like I said, my journey was wait, like I, I look at it and think of it as like a decade, but really it was so many more years than that too. And so it's like, everything happens in the perfect time for whatever reason. And I hope that this can just be um, enlightenment for people who haven't haven't been exposed to this. Yeah, I haven't been exposed to it. And also there's such there's such a power to like your raw honesty in it. Like, and people because it's it can be confronting, right? Like this letter could trigger some people and in a good way, in the sense of like sometimes we don't want to look at our own shit for lack of a better term. And then when you see someone who's like, I keep saying walking through the fire, but like, it's just like, I'm, I've looked at all of this and it's not pretty. And that was how I got to the other side that creates this thriving relationship with myself and my life and, and all of that. And I love that you just said that because people are, um, it takes some, it takes several nudges sometimes to like jump off the deep into the deep end and, uh, <laughs> and surrender, um, to it all. So I guess one of the last questions I have is, um, what are you most looking forward to in your business? Oh, I mean, so many things like right now, I look forward to continuing to connecting with women who want to support their health, their health in this way and want to have like full mind body transformation, not just work on the physical. And I look forward in the next like six months, I'm going to be releasing a course called no birth control. Now what? And so I'm excited that to become available as a self-paced course to help guide people to those comprehensive foundations of supporting their body and their hormones coming off of birth control. And so it could be like a year and a half off birth control. You could have been on birth control and be trying to conceive or just wanting to understand how to get your cycle back. Mm. Um, I don't feel like there's a lot of resources like that out there. So I'm excited to be releasing that out into the universe and to continue to create community. And so that's something that I haven't quite cultivated at this point, um, in my services and would, I'm very excited to bring into this, this realm in the next year or so. Beautiful. And where can people find you? Instagram, website, I mean, I'll put everything in the show notes, but I think people need to hear it. Like if they're driving and running. Yeah. You can find me at Live Nourish Nutrition on Instagram. And my website is livenourishnutrition.com. And um, please, like if this 
you know, podcast resonated with you, like send me a direct message. Um, you can email me at info at livenourishnutrition.com as well. Or if you want to work together, schedule a discovery call. Amazing. I hope they do. I just feel like you're doing such beautiful work in the world. And like, there's something so like, it's like so tender to like, feel like you don't have a period or your period's off, or you want to be pregnant. And you're like that sacral chakra is just, it's such a power center and, um, people need your guidance. So I just, I hope people reach out. Yeah, they will. And thanks for being here today. It's been amazing. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. I feel like I could talk about this all day with you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll do it again. (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure.